Welcome to Ren's Philanthropic Insights video podcast series, made to help financial advisors make the most of their clients' charitable giving. I'm your host, Kim Ledger, Ren's VP of Complex Assets, and I brought in one of our experts from Ren, Kyle Christofferson, SVP of Client Growth. We're going to dive into the topic of different ways advisors can leverage DAFs for long-term impact. Here's a little background on Kyle. He has over 20 years of experience in every aspect of creating and administering various charitable gift instruments. He's a frequent presenter at national and regional conferences, educating financial professionals and plan giving officers on how to create effective charitable planning strategies. Welcome, Kyle. Hi, Kim. It's great to have you back. Absolutely. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yes. Excited. Yeah, I am too. It's one of my favorite topics, donor advice funds. Absolutely. It's It's a world I live in every day. All day, every day. So it's one of my favorite topics. So yeah, glad you're yeah. here. Looking forward to the conversation. It's a it's such a cool tool that a lot of people are taking advantage of today, and it's you know it's fun to be able to talk about it. Yeah. So I thought today we we would talk about um, how a DAF works. Sure. And uh, so my first question is: um, Are DAFs popular today? But before before you answer that question, though, I want to point out that DAFs have been around a long time. They've been around. Um, ever since yeah. 1930, the, yeah. the 30s. I Which a lot of people didn't realize, right? I know. It's, yeah. um, you know, they, I think it was uh, uh, community foundations and other right. charitable organizations really got unpopular right. uh, back in the 1930s. And that's what a lot of his associated donor advised funds with uh, community foundations. And it wasn't until uh, 2006 uh, when the Pension and Protection Act uh, was passed that they really they got some formal recognition, and then I think we saw we saw them really start to take off. Right. right. Yeah. So are DAFs popular today? Oh, absolutely. DAFs are um, growing significant amounts year over year, and you know, in fact, when I think back on 2006, the number of donor advised funds that were in existence at that mm-hmm. time was roughly about 115,000 or so different okay. donor advised fund accounts. And you look from 2006 to 2017, and that number tripled, and great growth, right? Mm-hmm. But then just from 2017 to 21, in four years, it tripled again. And that growth trajectory for donor advice funds is growing and growing. And I think it's you know kind of an analogy that you could look to is, you remember when 529s first came out? Yes. And, you know, people would hear about a 529 and say, oh, well, what is a 529? How does mm-hmm. that work? And now 529s are very common. In fact, when you're going over to your neighbor's house, you're having dinner with them and you talk about, oh, if you've been funding your 529, when did you set up your 529? Someone has a baby. Did you set up your 529 yet? Yeah. And I think that's the same trajectory we're going to see with donor advised funds as well. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being being um, at a at a friend's house and not having to explain what a donor advised yes, fund exactly. is? Yes, <laughs> exactly. Everyone knows what a donor advised fund is. I look forward to that yeah. day. And I think it is, a, it a lot of people goal. have heard about a donor advised fund, but they're not exactly sure what that really means. Well, today we're going to help. Uh, Absolutely. Talk about how a DAF works. One of the things that I I really like about a DAF is that you are. These are dollars that get set aside for charity, specific right. to charity. I right. know ups and downs in the market, you know, it create there's a lot of volatility in giving to charitable organizations tends to go down in a down market. But I love when, that these dollars are set aside. So you have it seems like there's more consistent growth. Or when you have some sort of disaster, you have 
there's cash available immediately to grant to organizations. I think about COVID and uh, the pandemic in 2020, and and when that hit, we had we had our our staff was busy like it was giving season, right? Making grants to organizations that were supporting those efforts. So, right. Um, and I, and I think other disaster relief too. Yeah. Right. The pandemic, um, you know, Hurricane Katrina, that's a good yeah. example. Ukraine. Right. Seeing um, all the support go out for the Ukraine disaster relief. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what's what's nice about those donor advice fund assets is you don't have to come up with assets to give to charity and exactly. support that relief. It's there ready to right. go. And I think when you look back at, you know, donors and we've looked at some surveys like, what, what happens in a down market? You know, mm-hmm. a lot of times when you're in a down market, even talking about disaster relief, well, the needs for community organizations and those charitable organizations grow as more exactly. people need those services. Right. And a lot of clients that give to charity, a majority of them are concerned about that. They're right. concerned about that pressure that's on those charitable organizations. And instead of pulling back their giving, they're wanting to give more because they know the needs are are accelerating on that charitable organization. Exactly. And so it's the disaster relief. It's even in a down economy. The grants from the donor advice fund is a great tool to be able to support that charity immediately. It is. Um, so talking about um, how a DAF works and what are the benefits? I mean, I think we've we've hit on some of the benefits, but yeah. how does it work? Yeah, we talked about some of the benefits in our, our first episode, the last yeah. episode we did together, and talking about how it's it's kind of like having your very own private family foundation. We've heard of some of the big foundations out there, and they make these large grants to different charitable organizations or disaster relief like we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of having that same look and feel, but with, you know, out having to be a millionaire, without having to have those significant assets to throw at it. And so when you're looking at a donor advice fund, um, every donor advice fund program has a qualified public charity that's sponsoring the program. Mm-hmm. So when you're making a gift to a donor advice fund, you're actually making that gift to that public charity. So it's no different as far as the income tax share reduction that we discussed in the last episode and, you know, avoiding the capital gains tax, no different than giving an outright gift to a charitable organization. Exact same results. Got it. But the difference is, is now you can have those funds segregated over at that public charity to be granted out to future charitable organizations, um, you know, future grants to those charitable organizations when you want to be able to support them. Mm-hmm. And what's great is you get to call that fund, you know, after the family name. So I could call mine the Christofferson Family Fund. Mm-hmm. And so then when I'm ready to have some of those funds go out and support a charity, I go to that uh, donor advice fund program, I submit a grant, and I say, I would like this to go to the local Humane Society for $500. And then that grant's going to go out to that charity, and it's going to say, here's a grant from the XYZ Donor Advice Fund program, from the Christofferson Family Fund to be used for your general purposes or whatever your purpose yeah. restriction is. But it's it's just a great way you can get on your smartphone, tablet, computer, and be able to log in. And within a couple minutes, you've submitted a grant to go out to that charitable organization. I think it's important to point out, too, that the charitable deduction has already you know, you don't get another charitable deduction from making that grant yeah. or recommending that grant, I should say. And oh, I know we get a, get people that are a little panicked at year end thinking that they have to get that grant out um, from a deduction perspective. And you've already received that. Yes, getting the, the initial grant to the donor advice yes. fund or your contribution to the donor advice fund. But that the grants then from there 
um, don't have a, a time limit like they do. And that's that's a big concern, and that's why we yeah. see so much charitable giving at year end. Is yes. because that's when the clients are meeting with their CPAs and saying, "Okay, how much taxable mm-hmm. income do I have? Okay, you have this, so now we need to get a charitable deduction of X amount to be able to offset that income, right?" Mm-hmm. And so they're always thinking that it has to be to the charity by the end of the year. But with the donor advice fund, that doesn't mean you have to make the grant to that charity by the end of the year. What it means is. You need to make the contribution to the donor advised fund mm-hmm. before the end of the year. Mm-hmm. And you get that charitable deduction immediately when the contribution is is funding that your donor advised fund account. But then you will go into next year and then you can start making those grants and it's not going to impact your receipt of that deduction. Yeah. I, and I love that. It, it, it's, it requires little maintenance from the donor. Too. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. I think um, sometimes people will use these at, um, for that next generation as well, leaving a legacy for, you know, they'll they'll fund uh, a donor advice fund to leave that for that the next generations as well. Yeah, and that's that's a nice thing about the donor advice fund. It's a common question that we get asked a lot. Well, what happens? Yeah. When you pass away, right? Right. And you know, there's there's different options that are available for that. You can have all the funds distributed out to the charitable organization immediately when mm-hmm. you pass away. Um, but the most popular option is to simply have your children, your heirs, take over as the grant advisors. So the ones that are determining how that grant mm-hmm. is going to go out to which charitable organization. Now, how does a donor advice fund compare to a private foundation? I think there are some, some similarities and some differences. You had commented earlier that yeah, they're similar. They're, they're definitely similar. So when you're looking at a private family foundation, what we're talking about in that instance is a private non-operating foundation. Mm-hmm. And they're going to do the exact same thing as a donor advice fund. You're making a completed gift. You get an income tax charitable deduction. And then over time, you're making grants to qualified public charities. Mm-hmm. Um, so identical. But the difference is With a private foundation, you're actually creating a private charitable organization. So you're going to have to have an attorney involved to draw the governing documents setting up either a trust format or a corporate format. Mm -hmm. You're going to need to have officers involved, trustees involved to run the foundation, but you are running an actual organization. So you're responsible for all the accounting, the compliance, the tax filing, state filings every year. Um... <clears throat> making sure that the charities that you're making the grants out to are the qualified public charities. So there's a lot of work involved in running mm-hmm. that foundation. So unless you have significant dollars to commit to a private foundation, you know, a lot of times it just doesn't make sense mm-hmm. if all you're doing is trying to take a completed gift and spread it out over time to charity that you can do in a donor advised fund. And I work with a lot of family offices and they'll have uh, the staff, and they'll have the the amount of dollars in a private uh, family foundation where it makes sense. Absolutely. So, and they'll, they Absolutely. may have a specific causes that they want, um, but they'll have staff that surround uh, that that private foundation. And I, I know DAFs and private foundations can complement each other. Oh, absolutely. You absolutely can be a complementary tool because, mm-hmm. you know, one of the key differences between a donor advice fund and a private foundation, we talked about the setup, you know, with the donor advice fund, it's what, 15 minutes to complete yeah. the application and you've got your account ready to go. Mm-hmm. Much more long and, uh, you know, legal process involved with setting up the private foundation. But when you're making grants from a private foundation, 
um, all of those uh, grants are going to be on the 990PF, right. the federal tax return. They're public. It's public it's information. Public information. Mm-hmm. But with a donor advice fund, you can remain anonymous if you want to. Mm-hmm. So sometimes when private foundations, they're trying to make some grants, maybe to a local charity that knows those donors very well. Maybe they want to maintain their privacy. Mm-hmm. You can't do that with a private foundation. So sometimes private foundations will establish a donor advice fund mm-hmm. where they can make a grant to the donor advice fund account. And then from the donor advice fund, you can make that anonymous grant to that public charity. In other ways I've seen that work is that um, the private foundation will set up individual DAF accounts for the kids. So there may be a family mission um, that that the main foundation uh, makes gifts to that support certain causes. And then the um, the heirs or that, that legacy piece, they'll use the DAF, individual DAFs for um, individual family members to not have to get approval. They can just make grants from each right. of their DAFs and they to, have their, their own to their causes. accounts to support the charities that they support. Exactly. And, you know, and that's, that's a great point too. And that's, that's something else that you can do with the donor advice fund account. We mentioned having the heirs take over as successor yeah. grant advisors, but you know, what happens if you don't get along with your sibling yeah. and you can't agree on the charitable organization. And right. that's, that's, it's not a bad thing. It's just, you got different passions and different organizations that yeah. you want to support. That's Pick normal. The out. Yeah. There's no need for it. So you can actually split that donor advice fund account into mm-hmm. separate accounts for each of the siblings to be able to have their own portion to make grants to. Yeah, that's great. Um, now, what about, um, you know, if there is a, a, a private foundation, maybe it's it's no longer something that maybe it's a, it, it's dwindled down. It's a smaller private foundation. Can can that be closed down and and moved over to a donor advice fund? How does that work? That's that's a great question too. And again, a similarity between a private foundation and a donor advice fund is the grants have to go to a public charity. Mm-hmm. So when we're looking at a private family foundation, they are able to make grants to a donor advice fund account to fund that because mm-hmm. the donor advice fund account is sponsored by a public charity. So it's totally permissible. And sometimes that happens if maybe the value of the private foundation has gone down to maybe it just doesn't make sense to yeah. you know keep the upkeep, the right. filings. Um, you know, we've had some situations where the children have taken over the private family foundation from the parents that were running it. And, you know, they've got other competing priorities. Maybe they're running their own business. Something else is going on in their lives and they just want to be able to make the grants. And mm-hmm. that's all they're interested in. Then you could also use uh, uh, make a grant from that private foundation into a donor buys fund and and simplify the process that yeah. way if you need to. I've been involved with some of that and, and um, some that it's just it's. It's not, you know, they've, they've, um, they're not as large as they once were. So they'll right, make that. Right. And it just from a cost perspective. And they it just, just makes simplify. Sense. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, um, so we've talked about, you know, what happens when the donor passes away. Um, and anything else on that that you wanted to talk about? Like, I think we talked about the, um, you know that the you can name successor advisors. What else are there? Other options besides the six, naming a successor advisor? Or is that it? You just you have to name somebody, then they take over at that point, or are there other options? 
You know, naming a successor grant advisor certainly is the most popular. That's what we see most often with the donor advice fund programs that we work with, mm -hmm. um, but not the only option. Mm -hmm. um, we do have the ability for the donor, when they pass away, just all the funds to go to a list of charitable organizations that they wanted to support, um, just a lump sum payment. But sometimes the donors may say, you know what, I don't have any heirs, but I would still like those funds to be dispersed over a period of time to make sure that the charitable organization that I'm supporting has funds for a number of years into the future. Mm -hmm. It's not just a lump sum gift and then it's over. Kind so, of like an endowment. It's like, kind of like an endowment. Like what so, we talked about last time. You know, yeah. setting up a an agreement where you say, you know what, I want 5% of the annual value to go to these charitable organizations for the next 20 years, whatever mm -hmm. it might be. So really understanding what the donor is looking to accomplish, what their goals are for after they pass away, and making sure that we structure the donor advice fund to provide the benefit. Great, great. Well, um, I appreciate you coming coming by today, and um, I'm looking forward to our next topic. Uh, our next week, we'll be talking about um, um, how to have that that charitable giving conversation. Yeah, beginning the charitable conversation. Yeah, yeah, we talked about that in the first episode. Now we're going to dive into that a little bit. Yeah, more. I think that'll be really helpful. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. So um, I'll see you next time, and right. appreciate you being here. Thanks, Kim. Thanks for watching, or if you tuned in via podcast, thanks for listening. If you want to learn more about REN and how we might be able to help with your philanthropic program needs, visit reninc.com or email us at consulting at reninc.com. We'd also love to hear if you have questions or topics about planned giving you want us to talk about. And of course, don't miss that great information we have in our Advisors Philanthropic Insights newsletter. Sign up at reninc.com slash advisor insights. Find all the links mentioned in the show in the description. And you'll find expert tips daily on our social channels. Check it out. Until next time, I'm Kim Ledger. Give wisely.